Good afternoon. I'm Rodney. I'm Jamal. This is Vince. And we are Under Construction. Recently, uh, our Charlotte Hornets finished the week 1-1. One one. I finished the season with a 39-43 record and missed the playoffs. We sadly had to depend on the Detroit Pistons to lose to the Memphis Grizzlies and the goddamn <laughs> New York Knicks. Come on, what were we thinking? See, and, and let me tell you how tough it is being a Hornets fan. When we've been doing this show the last couple weeks, you know, Rodney always asks, so fellas, how was your weekend? We couldn't even get that today. No. His mind so we, we he can't even ask because us how our weekend is. Because the answer's already there. So it's already, it's whoa, 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 whoa. Aside from the point, I had an excellent weekend. I was in Cancun. <laughs> I was in the sun getting bug bites, kissing dolphins and stuff. <laughs> but I mean, the Hornets disappointed me, but it's whatever. Shirt open, kissing dolphins. Shirt open, man. Oh, man all all, all, all the taco meat out. Nike games, fanny pack, all that <laughs> stuff. Man, just, <laughs> hey, look, hey, the Hornets can't do it, but live your best life. Live your best life. Live your best life. Hey, man, I, I disconnected a couple weeks back. <laughs> but you know, let's let let let's let, let's let's get let's get to it. Okay. Um, and and for those of you listening, for those of you watching, this episode would be mostly Hornets, mostly Hornets. We got a lot to talk about, and uh, let's let's get to it. Let's get to All it. Right. So it was the end of our coach's first year, James Borrego. Uh, how would you rate his performance this year, and how do you see him projecting going forward? Um, as far as this year, it's a very mixed bag for me. Um, I, I I've been consistent with my criticism of JB, mainly right in the meat in the middle of the season when we were really really struggling. But the more and more I think about how and why I criticize JB, I'm kind of softening my stance a little bit because when I think about it, needless to say, this roster had inconsistencies and problems. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me and Vince talked about a lot about how the rotations were never really set. Um, me and you said he threw a lot of crap at the wall to see what yeah. stuck. But the more, again, the more and more I thought about it, it was like, well, when you have a roster like that where nobody, we, we, there's not a lot of two-way players on our roster. True. That creates those kind of problems where you have to do that. You have to uh, be inconsistent depending on matchup. Gotcha. There were, you know, we, we had a season where Frank Kaminsky had a good two, three-month span where he didn't play. Yeah. And then ended up being one of our most important players <laughs> at the end of the season. What other NBA team functions like that? I'm not even saying that's really a good or a bad thing. So I say all that to say, if I'm saying it's a total mixed bag, I have to give him a solid C. Gotcha. But it's kind of grading on the curve just with the roster that he had to work. Gotcha, Vince. And I'm going to kind of co-sign with Jamal. But I'm going to take it in a different direction. I don't, I don't know if I can give Borrego a legitimate grade because he's a rookie. It's his gotcha. first year. Because, like, when you go to the college ranks, especially in college football, you typically give a coach three to four years before you say, okay, good or bad, because it takes a while for him to get all the players out from the old regime to get his players in there so they, um, that, that fit his style of play and all that good stuff. With Rago being a more offensive-minded coach, gotcha. he took over a team who previously was more of a defensive-oriented coach team. With, gotcha. with that being said, my my stance from day one has always been: if Rago took this team and he improved on what happened last year, 
then I feel like Rich Cho would have been vindicated. But if he took this team and he did worse, then I think it vindicates Steve Clifford. So the season is over. We had a three-game improvement, and I honestly don't think one of those guys are vindicated over the other. And I say that because I th- Rich Show is vindicated because we had the three-game improvement. Yeah. So and Rich Show brought the players in here, so obviously they can win. However, I think Cliff is vindicated as well because even though we only had a three-game improvement, we still missed the playoffs, there were a lot of games where we had the game in bag, mm-hmm. had the game in hand, and we lost it. And yeah. that was too familiar last season. Yeah. And, and and when this happened last year, Cliff took all the blame. Gotcha. He took all the blame. For me, I I give him a solid C-. minus. Uh, Honestly, I was I was a big proponent of Steve Clifford. I think he should have remained the coach. Uh, we never gave him a, a, a talented roster, in my opinion. Now, sorry to cut you off. I'm, I'm I've been a huge Cliff supporter, but I do think he needed to leave. And mm-hmm. and even though he didn't have the full support of the of the organization, even though he he didn't have control with the players that he brought in. I think his coaching habits was too old school, and he was too rigid. He was not willing to adjust to to the new NBA. Let me say this. Right before Steve Clifford got fired, I I told a lot of people I was very indifferent to Steve Clifford. I would have been fine if he would have stayed. I was fine when he left. But boy, is he vindicated. Oh, oh hell yeah, he is. Hell of vindicated. So, Lord have mercy. This weekend didn't vindicate him. I don't know what did. Oh, he is. Lord have mercy. Yeah, yeah. Let, come on. Number one, you beat your old team for a game that we need to get in playoffs, even though it didn't matter, okay? Number two, you still a road game against the number two seed, two. the Toronto Raptors, with former Bobcat DJ Augustine, former Hornet, Michael Carter Williams and Steve Coach Steve Clifford being the former Hornets coach. If that doesn't vindicate him, oh, he is, I don't he, know now, what does. Now, but let me let me get to okay. my last point. We had another coach here in Charlotte by the name of Larry Brown. Larry Brown is a fantastic coach, in my opinion. He's a yeah. Hall of Fame fantastic coach. Everywhere he goes, it is an immediate improvement of the team that he's coaching. However, there's always a point with Larry Brown. Where it's like, okay, it is you've done your job, but you have worn on your players. Yeah. They're not listening anymore. It's time to go. I bring it up because that may be very well what has happened with Steve Clifford. And I will agree that with that. It's possible. I'm not, I'm not an insider. I don't know, but it's very. I'm, let, let me. This is why I say that. This is why I say that. I followed a lot of Steve Clifford's post game interviews, and what. It, at, toward the end of his last season, he sounded exasperated like, I don't know what else I can tell these guys. We work on the same things every day. We know what we're supposed to do. We know what we can do, but we're not doing it. When you get to that point, it's time to leave. See, my issue was we were on track for a worse record until we played those new guys. And so if Borrego would have finished with an identical record as Clifford, Maybe it was just just, just those players' problem. So the, the, the younger guys were more hungry and more receptive to new ears. Right. So you say you put Clifford with those new guys, you had a better roster. I, th- right. I, I think if Clifford was the coach, we'd make the playoffs. 
don't think so. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why. Clifford loved bacon. Last year, Clifford was quoted saying, bacon is a starter in this league. Bacon would have more opportunity to play this year. Miles plays defense. Miles would have played this year. And see, Graham, 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 Graham came in ready. The, 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 the only reason why Tony Parker came here is because Borrego and Batum. Right. Graham would have been Graham would have been the backup. It's here. it's hard for me to co-sign and on Frank that. And Frank would have played more. It, uh, yeah. It's hard for me to co-sign on all of that because Graham barely played. Not Graham, but um, Bacon barely got any run last year. Even though he was a rookie, he was still bouncing back and forth to the G League. And, and, and one thing I would never understand is how you go to the G League and you drop in 40 points a night, and then you come back up, and then you sit on the bench for two weeks. Like, right. I, I never understood that. And that, that's something I, I'm completely with you on. And now, within this fan base, there's always these arguments about why, how come my favorite guy doesn't play? Why come? And we go back and forth about certain guys, not going to say any names, about how come this guy doesn't play. With Dwayne Bacon, it's something that's never been understood. Yeah, yeah, I, it's yeah. something I just and never I never got. And to that. get to my point I was trying to make earlier, that's why I think Cliff needed to get fired. Because had he stayed here, I don't think he makes any coaching adjustments. When he went to Orlando, well, when he got fired before he went to Orlando, I think he looked I think he did some self reflections like, you know what, maybe I need to change some of the things that I do. And he did that in Orlando. See, I would disagree there because if you if you look at his two playoff appearances, there were two totally different teams. That first team with Al Jefferson was a grinded out defensive team. That second iteration of the playoff team was a straight pace and space, spread your guys, spread your guys out. They were they were a deep team. Clifford had a top seven offense, so it's it's it's, it's like you give you give him the players, he's able to adjust. Maybe it was a player problem and a personnel problem upstairs with Cho yeah, rather, yeah. rather than Cliff. Right. But but I, I understand what you guys are saying. The message can can wear on people. Yeah, yeah, and 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 again, we'll we'll never know. We're we'll we're not know. we're not insiders. We'll never know. But I think that when he went to Orlando, I would like to believe that he told um, the Magic management, "Look, I need more player control. Gotcha. I need to have more right. say." So right. and and keep in mind, the Magic were picked. To, 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 to win 26, 27, 28 games this year, they, their roster was completely laughed at going into the season. That is true. And they didn't they didn't squeak into the playoffs as an eight seed. Right. They didn't get into the playoffs on the final game of the, on the final nine of the season. They they solidified their spot in the playoffs about a week or two before the season ended. And they beat good teams that last couple they weeks. Beat too. They beat and they won the division. Yeah. <laughs> they beat great teams. Yeah. And, and 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 now they're 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 game planning for a game two in Philly. No, no, in Toronto, up one zero. Yeah. Now good place to be in. Now now and let me, last week we actually talked about who who would we rather the Hornets play had <laughs> they made the playoffs. And I said I didn't want them to play Toronto because because of how the regular season went. Yeah. So, Toronto, if I remember right, they went three and one versus Orlando this season. They did, and it is hard. Even though they're a two seed right now, right. it is hard to continuously you beat, beat teams like that. And I think Orlando has just seen enough of them. You got DJ Augustine just just like hey, did man. y'all watch the game? 
Look, hey man. Augustine was look. doing stuff I ain't seen before. DJ looks like Kyle Lowry. Let me say this, man. And I, with DJ Augustine, like I don't, I'm, I'm not gonna sit here and tell people like, man, DJ was like the worst thing in the world when he played here. He, he's always been he's not. pretty talented. Agreed. As horrible as that season that I hate mentioning seven fifty nine, he was like at least lead scorer for that team. So yeah. it's like there's some considerable talent there. Yeah, yeah, I agree. However, as far as this playoff series is concerned, I really do believe it's lightning in the bottle. I think he'll come back down to earth. I really do. I, I don't, again, I don't think these all he's a bad point guard to begin with, but this. Kobe Bryant killing Mamba dude I saw <laughs> this weekend. I don't know if we're going to see a repeat uh, performance of that. Because I, I was watching it like, DJ who? Like, who is this dude? <laughs> but, you know, we'll all I got to say, man, it was really great seeing Michael Carter Williams and DJ Augustine and Steve Clifford win a playoff game. Okay, so. Uh, I'm not even going to touch that. That's another Let's just move on. Yeah. Let's move on. So, man. in your eyes, was this season a failure or a success? We were projected to win about 37, 38 games this year. Was it a success or a failure to you? Actually, um, I can't remember the the author, but there was a there was a uh, NBA preseason predictor on, on all the teams that came out um, last year. I can't remember. I think it was Bleacher Report, mm-hmm. and um, whoever wrote the article, he actually predicted that Charlotte would go thirty nine and forty three. He actually predicted that. So, um, and I shouted him out on Twitter basically saying he needs a pay raise. And I get it. There's like 30-some-odd teams in the league. But he he, he picked the right money, for sure. money. So, like, hey, he, there's somebody out there who knows what he's doing. I know this will conflict with my answer about not giving JB a grade. But I'm going to call this season a failure. Because when the season started, if you go back and if you watch those those summer league games with the with the young core, I had this team possibly being a five or a six seed, and we saw the way that this team looked the last couple of weeks of the season. I've been screaming as well as a few others since November that those young guys needed to play. Mm-hmm. Imagine what's happening if those guys were able to play. Um, look, look at all of the games that we lost. We 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 were one in twelve at one point in games where Tony Parker did not play. Yeah. And even with that, Graham still wasn't getting those minutes. He was running Kimba into the ground. Right, so imagine if Graham if if Graham gets those those minutes. Imagine if if Bacon starts getting those minutes. And I'm not gonna hop on the Frank Kaminsky train. Like he he played lights out towards the end of the season. Right. But we've been watching Frank for four years now, and we know that when we when 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 we expect less of Frank, he he gives us everything. He gives us more. Right. But as soon as we start expecting it, 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 it it's gone. It's gone. So like I'm not gonna get on the. I'm not like, like I appreciate it. Like like it was dope that with everything that he went through this season, he was able to remain professional enough right. to go out there and still contribute to what he did. So, <clears throat> excuse me, much respect there. But those other young guys, if they get more playing time when Nick Batum and Marvin Williams are giving us goose eggs two out of three games, Ooh. just uh, imagine, like, I, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse here. So I'm, I'm calling the season a failure. The season is an absolute failure, and but the thing the thing about it is, yes, this season is a failure, but there is more of a 
bright side. Okay. I know that might be like hard for a lot mm-hmm. of Hornets fans to really accept or really agree with, being that we have this Explain big Kimba situation going. I get that. Explain it. But the bright side to this is Dwayne Bacon. It is Devontae Graham. It is Miles Bridges. Maybe Malik Monk. Hopefully Malik Monk. We'll see. Preferably Malik Monk. And the reason why I do say it's a failure, and, and I, I hate going backwards, but I feel like I have to go backwards to explain why it is the way it is, man. This is the third straight season, man. Here we are again. I don't know about anybody else, man. I'm tired of not being in the playoffs, man. With somebody like a Kimball Walker, I'm tired of him not having considerable help. I'm I'm tired of fighting for that for that AC that we have. We're here again. Nobody wants to be here again for the third straight. And it's almost like Groundhog's Day. It's almost like the same way every year. (laughs) But now here's the difference with that. In years past, you're feeling like that because because we're we're the Hornets. But at the same time, you know, I said this last week and I think a few other people co-signed we actually feel good about the future. Right, we actually so like that. That's kind of like my my saving grace right mm-hmm. there. Because when's the last time have we had a second round pick, much less in back to back seasons, get drafted, and we're actually talking about this person being minutes. a part of the future? But you know, and, and and then on top of that, we have a we actually have a draft and stash guy who we're not even talking about who has looked pretty doggone good over there, man. So we don't know. If and when we're gonna bring him by, that's that's another reason to also give us hope as well. I wish I could pronounce his name, but we all know who I'm talking about. But, yeah, yeah, whatever is the guy's name. That's so bad, but whatever. But but again, man, like I, you know, to not to say that our roster was like top three or four. Yeah, not, not to say like, man, this is the year we're gonna contend for anything. We let's be clear about that. That's not what the expectation was. However, my expectations were a little higher because we had this breath of fresh air, so to speak, in James Borrego, who was bringing a new style of offense. He he had new, fresh ideas. We thought we were going to see more than young guys. We thought. But lo and behold, December, January, we struggle again. When we get to the meat of the season, when it's most important to win games, we drop the ball again. We lose close games with teams we're supposed to beat again. And it's it is more because of what you mentioned. We're getting goose eggs from the veterans. And let me, I, before I'm, we move on to the next thing, man, let me say this if nobody else has said this, man. And I'm only saying this more so related to salary with Cody and MKG. More so related to salary. But that four, Cody, MKG, Marvin, Nick, if there was a way to get Four of those guys out and bring something new in. I do it in a heartbeat. Yeah. More so relative to to salary with more so with Cody and MKG though. To me, I didn't have to make it in the playoffs. I, I I just didn't see the roster okay. making the playoffs. And that's more than fair. Yeah, that's I mean yeah, I, they, they they didn't have a they didn't have a, a top six roster to me. Like I looked at Brooklyn, I, I said they were better, they're a better team. Detroit, pretty much on the same level. I didn't even think about Orlando. Right. I was thinking Washington. I don't would, think anybody thought about Orlando. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking Washington would, would compete with the Hornets for that yeah. eighth seed. And so to no, me, no, 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 I'm going to call you out. You had Washington as a top four seed. 
season is even to me. I mean, I see it as kind of a success in a way. I mean, we didn't go 36 and 46. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a week before the season was over in the past two years, we were eliminated. We, we, we fought to the final day. So yeah. to me, this is a season. The season is a success. Okay. But my issue was with Borrego. Borrego was supposed to be this player development coach. And, and you sit here and, letting, and, you, and you're letting Nick Batum start most of the year. Yeah. He's giving you nothing. Marvin is giving you nothing. Marvin is a bench player these days. Marvin's giving you nothing. And the front office kind of let me down as well. Because we were at the finish line on the Marcus Saul deal, and for some reason we backed out. My my issue is if you're not going to play Monk and just sit him on the bench, use him as a chip. Now, let me, let me segue into that. Early in the season, James Borrego made a statement saying that Malik Monk would be a huge factor of the offense this season. Obviously, we saw that wasn't the case. Right. So, what do you guys think happened there? Let me – I'm glad you asked that because <laughs> I, I, I think he, you know, he at, at first he had this big, bright idea like, this is going to be my guy. This is gonna, Malik is going to have a breakout season because keep in mind – there were a lot of us who thought Malik Monk was gonna have a breakout yeah. season this year. Like, I, there's we were all going, yeah, yeah, new up tempo. Yeah, we were all excited about that. I didn't. However, you sure about that, Rodney? Because we can. I mean, it, uh, I, I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was on the train last year. I'm like train month for Brogdon. I, I mean, that, that was me last year. But but <laughs> you begin back on track here. And I, I think what happened along the way is some of the issues that I that I bought that I've brought up about Monk in 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 in, in the past. Didn't learn the NBA game. He's still very, very erratic. Turns the ball over too much. It's very possible he just didn't put the amount of work in needed to get better. Yeah. That's something the coach Borrego can't put a gun to Monk's head every day and be like, "Man, you got to work." Like, ultimately, that's going to be up to the player. True. And there were, and we saw throughout the season. How frustrated Borrego was with Monk. Yeah, yeah. There was a period of time where he didn't play. Uh, yeah. You know, he didn't get off the bench, man. So he had probably had big plans that just didn't work and, out. And <laughs> I'm gonna give you more of a, of a spiritual, karmatic response to that question. Like, this, <laughs> this, didn't even, this didn't even come to my mind well, until we were having this conversation. I don't even think it's anything off the court. Okay. I think what happened with Monk was, remember, Monk was playing pretty good. Mm. And then he did an interview. Yeah. And what did he do in that interview? He threw the veterans under the bus. Called the veterans, and like every since, like his season went the crap from that point up. It did. It did. From that, like when you now, now and, 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 and then coming into the year, Monk and Frank threw Clifford under the bus. They too. both threw Clifford under the bus. Yeah. They, and 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 and. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Did, did the spirit say, well, okay, <laughs> let's, 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 let's crush your ego right like there and, 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 and watch it. So, so now we'll, we'll see what happens next year. But, um, it, but even more of a tangible thing, did the veterans crush these two people? Like, I don't get that feeling from the veterans. Okay. But if they did, they did privately. Right. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. 
Bronk was on camera and and like you're not even a starter. Like you you're fighting for minutes and you know the bench we had to bail out there. And, and we loved it. We need yeah. we because we actually do like stuff like that as fans. Right. We loved it. Right. But the, as the a, bravado that we think we're missing sometimes. Yeah. yeah right, right. But as a teammate, you say stuff like that in house. Right. You know, yeah, and no doubt. like I say, keep it more in line with the karma, the spirits yeah. and whatnot. Maybe it was you know if somebody in the Charlotte organization can connect that dot for a month, yeah. like going forward, maybe he'll be a little bit more humble right. with some of those statements. Rango, this is what I need you to do. Call Monk every morning, <laughs> have him go to the weight room, <laughs> shoot some jumpers, work on his defensive stance. I have this much faith in him left. <laughs> now he it did, is a big season. He did say that he planned on to put on 10 pounds of muscle. This offseason, he did say that. Yeah, I think that's totally necessary. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the. Need to go for fifteen twenty. I mean, yeah. put on some muscle and watch some film, man. <laughs> like, defense, seriously, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I totally, I totally see that. So, our star player, Kimber Walker, is a free agent. So, I'm Kimber Walker. What do I do this offseason? Do I go play for a championship contender? Do I take the money and stay home in Charlotte? I'm at a loss. What, what, what do I do? Um, let me say this, man. I don't care who you are and how much money you have. $48 million is a lot of money to lose, boy. I don't care who you are. I don't know one person on earth that will voluntarily be like, man, I'm good on $48 million. Here's the thing, man. And this is, this this subject is not going away. No, it's not going to go away until July 1st. We we may talk about this every other week. It, it's just it's and it's a great conversation every single time. But if I'm Kimball Walker, like I've said before, I want to know what Cupcheck's plan yeah. is. And that is gotcha. the bottom line. And going off what Kimba has said, man, he's given the PC answer to this question every single time it's been asked him. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. However, everybody kind of tends to forget. I, in so many words, he said, I would rather that it work out here. And he said something to the effect was something to the effect of, I trust that they'll take care of me. Something to that effect. I'm yeah. not an exact and, quote, but. And my, my, my thing is, 48 million, like you said, personally, as, a, as an NBA uh, basketball player, I think a player wouldn't have a problem passing up 48 million. However, comma, I don't think that same player would pass up $80 million. And if Kevin Walker Ooh. finds himself on one of those three NBA teams, in addition to the way that the, the, the youngest have played towards the end of the year, I think it's a lot. I think he's back. I think he's back. Now, here's a curveball to, to all of this. And, again, man, this summer is going to be crazy. It is going to be interesting. And there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle. A lot of people don't know what's going to happen with whom and whatever this summer. Draft time. Mm -hmm. We all know trades are a lot easier to make happen when you got a first-round pick you can dangle to somebody. I'm not saying it will happen. Nobody knows what Cupcheck's plan is. What I'm saying is that is the best chance for the Charlotte Hornets to improve their roster immediately, not drafting somebody and waiting three, four years to say, hey, this guy might be good. Why don't you stick around? For no, no, no. The known quantity. The known quantity can be attained at that time. So 
I've said this before, man. I would not want Mitch Kupchak's job. He was left a big mess that he has to fix. He has a huge decision to make. And but at the same time, we'll know more during draft time before July. And it's like me personally, I'm like, I'm not gonna say I'm not interested in NBA playoffs, but I'm just like, man, Herbie get this over with, man. Yeah. I, I, we need to see what's going on. My, 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 my motivation definitely is and, 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 and my motivation to watch the NBA playoffs is so low. That rather than watch the, the game just today, I watched the uh, the Tar Heel football screen. That's what I watched. Just had fifteen hundred people here. <laughs> man, you must. It was more people. Uh, hey, hey, it was more people going to the uh, the Tar Heel spring football game that that are currently going to the Hornets postseason games. So the uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a point there. So so y'all y'all go to still the Fedora guy, right? No, 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 no. We um, we and, and and that's the thing I don't understand. Like we like we we went back and we got Matt Brown, who's who's a retrade. Oh, I don't I don't want to I don't want to disrespect my my elders, but Matt Brown's pretty doggone old. And I'm gonna tell you, there's a lot of us in 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 that fan base who haven't forgiven him for leaving. Back in like ninety nine, two thousand. I don't even get. Yo, yeah, what? High drive. Pretty But but I will I will say this. I will say this. He has made a lot of great moves, and some of the people That's he's true. brought into his coaching staff. He's brought in a lot of former players. Because uh, Dre Bly is actually on the uh, coaching staff. Um, he's 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 made some considerable moves. So we'll see what it, it looks like. They're going to keep that same um, up tempo offense. And uh, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see what happens. Wow, we have found a way to uh, sneak in Tar Hill football. Talk. <laughs> hey man, <laughs> hey, 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 at a hot take. Hey. Clemson's gonna win the championship. Oh, Trevor man, Lawrence is the best quarterback in the nation, and Florida State is ass. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Moving on. Another question. Moving on. I have a question. So this has been this has been a question in Hornets Nation. It's it's a it's, it's a big question. Is Michael Jeffrey Jordan a good basketball owner? I have been waiting so patiently to talk about this. Man, listen, man. It is hard to talk about this subject when your audience doesn't have the fundamental knowledge (laughs) of how a front office, of of what an NBA owner's role is, and how it all works. And it sounds like I, I don't want to sound condescending, but at the same time, we there's a huge chunk of NBA fans who really believe because of who he is that there's like it's like Magic it's just one. really easy to just say, I want a, a great NBA team. I'm Michael Jordan. Let's make it happen. Jordan. A Jordan Brand signature. <laughs> there are a huge chunk of people who believe that Michael Jordan can just get on the phone and say, I'm going to offer you however much money you want if you come play for me. And it sounds like, what's the word? It, 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 it sounds crazy, but there are people who truly believe this. And I felt like this is necessary to say. Mm-hmm. Because of so many people who believe this. We have to start there. Because this particular question is so nuanced. Yeah. There are people who are going to look at me crazy when I say this. But being a good owner 
is even more than wins and losses. I know that sounds crazy. I know people be like, well, it's the only thing that matters. Like, yeah, but when you are an NBA owner, there is so much that goes into building a successful franchise. I have not answered this question yes or no yet. I know I have not. Because it is simply not a yes or no question. It is not. It is not. You get what I'm saying? We look at the Charlotte Hornets. We are all frustrated with where we're at right now. Mm-hmm. And the fact that we have not made the playoffs in three seasons. And my the biggest crux of this organization, in my personal opinion, is that the foundation is crooked. Yeah. What I mean by that, we missed on more draft picks than we hit on. We both know to build a successful NBA franchise, the foundation has to be straight. Yeah. Now, with all that being said, there's a lot of blame to go around mm-hmm. for that foundation not being. It's not the the blame shouldn't be shouldered on any one guy in this particular scenario. If you'd like to criticize Michael Jordan for hiring the wrong people, so to speak, just know that those hindsight glasses usually fit every single time. <laughs> Because who didn't think hiring Rich Cho was a good idea at the time? He came from the Oklahoma City pedigree, you, it, who, 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 was a, who was a very well-ran organization. We all loved Rich Cho when, when Michael hired him at the time. But now, it's like the worst thing in the world. My, 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 how things change in the NBA that quickly. Yeah. I, again, I'm going to wrap this up. I know I didn't answer it yes or no. But this is not a this is not a yes or no question, and you have to look at you have to understand the way this works. And I'm gonna leave it on this note. The worst thing people can say about Michael Jordan, and I mean the dumbest thing they can, I mean the absolute <laughs> stupidest, low IQ, dumbest thing you could ever say about Michael Jordan as an owner is that he doesn't care. That is the dumbest thing I could ever hear. I fully agree. Every single time, and I'll leave it on that note. Okay. This the answer to this question is gonna bleed over into my shout out. So I'm probably gonna repeat myself, but I'm gonna co-sign Jamal because I can't answer the question mm-hmm. yes or no. Because depending on the prism at which you're looking at this question, like everybody has different different qualifications of what yep. makes a good or a bad owner. I'm not gonna say whether or not he's a good or a bad owner. But I will say that he acknowledges and has acknowledged some of his flaws, yes. and he has tried to fix them as he as he's gone forward. Because we all know, which automatically uh, deletes the notion that he doesn't care. Which and, and, right. exactly. and I'm glad exactly. you repeated that. Exactly. Like, like, on what planet can you take the greatest player of all time, the most competitive man? People will say this. Every time oh, this, this man has gotten in arguments over games of spades. He'll dump on his kids. <laughs> Did you see his Hall of Fame speech? Yes. Hey, good luck, sons. Like, like, how do, <laughs> how do you how do you take that man and says he doesn't care about winning? I, I don't know. How do you take that man and says he doesn't want to spend money? All no, no. All he cares about is his money. He doesn't care about spending money on on on, on other players. If you sit down and you think how insanely idiotic that statement is, you would not make that sense. If we win more, Jordan gets more money than he cares about. 
It's that so simple. You get money for playoff appearance. I don't. I don't understand it. And here's here, let me let's 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 be basketball nerds for a second, because let's talk to the pro tank people who want to tank, 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 tank. Michael Jordan inherently wants to win more. Every GM that he has hired, he has given them the green light to improve the team instead of tanking it outside of the Rich Toe era, you know, the beginning era yeah. of the Rich Toe era, which even more nuanced that we won't go into <laughs> today, but that's another story, okay? But every single move that the Bobcats Hornets have made, for the most part, post Al Jefferson, was to get better. And what people don't understand, this is what people really don't understand about running the NBA franchise. It's something so simple. Sometimes stuff don't doesn't work out. Yeah. That doesn't mean you don't care. And Sometimes you draft the wrong guy. Sometimes people get paid $25 million and decide that they don't like basketball anymore. And that was considered a great contract at, at the, the time. time. Right. That was because he took a discount to, to stay time. here. And then he had like 22 other offers on the table. That is documented. We're talking about Nick Mateo. Yeah. Nick Mateo. <laughs> <laughs> and if you didn't know we were talking about Nick Mateo, you're probably one of the fans that we've been shitting on for the last five minutes. Which also leads to notion that he's cheap. Because <laughs> if he's cheap, why does Nick Mateo have all this money if he's cheap? We're, we're actually at the salary cap point. If we take on another contract, we pay the tax. Do you, do you realize what that is? But, again, man, this is where I'm going to sound condescending again. You know how many people just looked at you like, what tax? People don't have a proper understanding of salary cap and luxury tax and what that really, what that really entails. So this is why it's so hard to try to get through to people like, Man, an NBA franchise is just not something you just you just go get who you want and you spend money to get. It's it's not that simple. And and, and I, I'm I'm glad we're getting into the financials about this because I w- I want to take the conversation to another another direction. So um, our good friends over at uh, Bring Back the Buzz, yeah. what, what's what's going on? Y'all doing alright? Uh, they tweeted. I got love for y'all, but I'm mad at y'all. <laughs> <laughs> They tweeted the other day, earlier this week, and I'm gonna go to my notes that if your if if your defense of Michael Jordan not being a bad owner is um he's increased the team's market value, then it has nothing to do with with basketball, blah 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 blah. So I'm 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 gonna as respectfully as I can because we're friends, let them know why that was another not so bright statement when he took over the team. He had to he had to take a discount to buy the team right. because we were losing money. We were in the we red. We were bleeding money. We were bleeding money. We had a horrible TV deal. Now let me ask you this: What year are you talking about? Because when he first when he purchased, he was a minority owner. Now he didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the full sale, which is when, 20, when he became a majority 2011, owner. 2010. 2010. Yeah, because he 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 purchased team for one twenty five. Right. Right. And so they were in the red. They had a horrible TV deal. He bought the name back. Listen to you guys. Uh, Probably stole some of your, your, your ideas. <laughs> right, I'm not gonna go there. He probably stole some of your ideas, and and he actually, the NBA values have been have been increasing anyways. But but he was also instrumental in the uh, the actual collective bargaining agreement. He actually got this new TV deal. He actually uh, helped with help with the players with the contract. He was he was the mediator between the players and the owners. So he's valuable in the NBA owner sense. Now and he helped mediate that that, that Dolan Oakley uh, incident. Now now here's the deal. Everything you said, while correct, 
actually supports them, their narrative. Yeah. And, and, and you're not wrong for it, but it actually supports their narrative. Here's what busts their narrative. When Michael Jordan became majority owner in 2010, the Hornets was worth uh, $278 million. Right. Now, even though they were worth $278 million, we all know that they were still in the red. They right. were losing a lot of money that right. they were getting. The reason why the value of the team um, um, translates to basketball is because it attracts yeah. marquee players. Right. And if you notice in, in 2015, was when we made the uh, playoffs with um, Lynn and others, yeah. with Lynn coming. And if you go back, and I'm going to put this graphic on that video, and if you go back and if you look at the team and how the team increased in value, you will notice that's right when we started getting those marquee players. But also, but also that can also tie into that Donald Sterling sale because that was around that time too. The Clippers sold for $2 billion. And the NBA, in, in terms of sports league, is healthy. In the NFL, you you have the the, the uh, problems with the concussion. Yeah, I, I, I mean, a, a lot of that does come from problem sharing. But Michael definitely did his part as he far did. as and, and let me let me I, I got to speak to this. Michael doesn't care crap some more because the thing is I, a lot, and I'm speaking mainly to casual fans because I think casual fans they look at Golden State, they look at wherever LeBron is at, and that and they and they make it and, and those teams make it look easy. Golden State took 45 years to get where they're at. That's fact. Yeah. The Cleveland Cavaliers took 50 years to win a championship. I hate, I don't like whataboutisms, but this whataboutism explains my my theory of, not theory, but it explains why I have to explain running an NBA team is not an easy thing, and sometimes things don't work out. One thing people never bring up about Michael Little known fact, during the Bobcats years, Michael tried to make a trade for Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson did, was not going to re, resign an extension. It didn't work out. Mm -hmm. Michael wanted to trade the number two pick for James Harden. Mm -hmm. James, James Harden wasn't going to sign wasn't going to sign an extension. It didn't work out. Michael wanted to go get Gordon Haywood from the Utah Jazz. Utah matched the offer. It didn't work out. So I don't want to hear this crap about he doesn't try to get Kimba help. He doesn't care. They've never tried to get. It's 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 just not true. Sometimes things just don't work out. And before you can get those marquee players to start coming in, you have to increase the team's value. Yeah. Because when Jordan took over, and when, when we were still the Bobcats, who who's the greatest player that's come here in free agency from the during the Bobcat years? Al Jefferson. Uh, uh, and before Al Jefferson, because actually when Al Jefferson came here, the the, the team's value had, had, that's right when the team's value had started increasing. Mm -hmm. But but who who can you think of before then? Like I, I mean, of anybody? I, no, nobody. nobody. Like I, I I remember Ryan Hollins. I remember. Uh, Eli, uh, yeah. Eli, I yeah. remember yeah. Raymond Felton and and But I but but. As the team started increasing value, we started getting better, better players. I don't want to say household names, mm -hmm. but we, there's no way, there's no way Lance Stevenson comes here in, in 2012. Another one where everybody knew that was, thought that was a good idea to begin with. Everybody was excited about Lance Stevenson. Lance, 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 triple double yep. It didn't work out. You know who else we got? Like, like when, when Jordan takes over, we don't get a Dwight Howard. We don't. We don't get a Tony Parker. We don't even get Jeremy Lynn. Right. You know we don't. And, and, we and, get none and, of those and, guys. And, and, and if you go and if you look, if you look at the players 
that we've had on this team from 2010 or, yeah, 2010 up until now. And if you go look at how the value increases of the team, you will see a direct correlation of the team being um, more more valuable and the quality of player that we and that we get. Let, let, let's talk about something very simple and very obvious that the Hornets need, which is another star. And everybody knows that. Everybody says it. Everybody wants it. Whatever. And I got to go back to the foundation. Like, we had the draft picks that we – the fair criticism about the Hornets is the draft picks. Even though it's, it's even though it's hindsight and even though some of those people were good ideas at the time, again, they just – they turned out to be just guys instead of stars. Okay? Now, that's the foundation I'm talking about. And, and even that is an inexact science. We know that. That – Everybody, I don't care what nobody anybody says. Everybody in Mecklenburg County wanted Malik Monk. If we get Donovan Mitchell, we're not having this conversation today, right now. And that's just another example of how sometimes it just doesn't work out. I wanted Donovan. The, most people wanted Malik Monk. <laughs> Please trust me on that one. Oh, man, I was, I was in the, the majority. Yeah, I was the, majority. The, majority. the majority. The majority. It was, it was pandemonium when Monk was called. <laughs> All right, guys, we're uh, going to finish. We're going to wrap up that morning segment. We're going to move to our culture segment. Kyle Korver, the Utah Jazz, wrote a uh, fantastic piece in the uh, Players' Tribune about privilege. What's your thoughts on it, Jamal? Um, it was – the piece itself was random, and it kind of came out of the blue, and I don't know what exactly inspired it, but I actually don't care. <laughs> like, it was needed. Not to say – no, I'm not saying I don't care about the piece. I don't care – the reason for it. That's what I'm, I'm, let me be clear about that. And the piece was something that has, it, it's long overdue, especially in the NBA where I don't know the exact percentage, but the majority of your players being African American, and this is coming from a, a Caucasian player. Um, Kyle Corver came from a very sincere place. Mm-hmm. And there is, I, and, and this is the type of dialogue that people have been afraid of that a lot of people run away from totally. And there are some people who still are in denial about privilege. So the fact that it came from a Caucasian player who came from this very sincere, heartfelt place, and the fact that it's still not resonating with some people is very disturbing. But again, it, it it's the conversation that won't go away and it's always going to be needed. And I, I can't do anything but give, like, just the most props to Kyle Corver for doing that, and, and the, I would I would love to know, you know, what inspired it, and, and the timing was kind of weird, being that it was like kind of mid, you know, right, not quite at the end of the season, but you know, like you know what I mean. Just I just I wonder where that came from, but it's still appreciated. So I'm, I'm gonna give a little bit of a backstory. So ever since we started under construction, you know, we we've gotten a lot of messages from friends and fans and followers of the page saying, hey, I love what you guys are doing. Da, 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 da. So um, we're talking about this topic because we actually got an inbox mm-hmm. from somebody who's who follows our page. So I just wanted to shout out um, Ryan Back, back in the bridge. Yeah, Ryan, what's up? What's up? Ryan so, hey, hey, Ryan, just want to say thanks for following. You know, thanks for the question. Uh, hopefully, we give you a satisfactory answer and all that good stuff. Now, there's probably a lot of people that are watching right now that are cussing out Jamal 
because Jamal was like, I don't know why he wrote this piece and then it was random. Uh, he released it through the Players Tribune. And you guys know the Players Tribune. Yeah. For you casual fans out there, basically the, the Players Tribune is just a voice uh, for the players by the players. Yeah. So he wrote the piece, he sent it to the Players Tribune, they released it and all that good stuff. So when I, when I first saw the article, I, I, I read the article probably within 10 minutes of it getting mm-hmm. released. I just happened to be on Twitter and it was like Cal Corbett privilege. And uh, I'm reading the article, and I'm like, damn, like, we really needed this. Mm-hmm. You know, it, like Jamal said, with him being a, a Caucasian athlete, it's it's great to see other, it's great to see them having a conversation, initiating a conversation, so much to the point that Cody Zeller actually sent him a tweet and was like, yo, great post, like, actually love this. Thanks for holding us accountable, mm-hmm. which really surprised me coming from, you know, Cody Zeller. Not saying anything negative, but, you know, Cody, he's so even killed and all that good stuff. Right, he, yeah, he did. He, but, yeah. here, but here's here's a question that I, I fought with as I was reading the article. How long has Kyle Corbin been in the league? About 16. 16, 17, somewhere. Yeah. With as much stuff that has happened throughout history, mm-hmm. what happened that you were so comfortable with releasing this now? When when I read the article, goes back to that timing question. When I when I read the article, it referenced uh, two events yeah. that, that stuck out to me: uh, the issue with Thabo Cephalosha in mm-hmm. New York, right. where the police broke his leg, mm-hmm. right, and they had to pay out a settlement because right. they were wrong. Right. Uh, complied. Um, and then also the incident with Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. with the Utah Jazz uh, fan base. Right. Which, which can be pretty rapid and some racial epithets were uh, spewed out toward Russell Westbrook. And this actually has been going on for a while. The NBA was the, the, with the, the fans and I, I guess he felt the need after meetings with his teammates to, to kind of discuss how they felt and he got a sense of how the minority teammates kind of feel going into the different arenas. Right. I mean, to be honest with you, they didn't grow up that way. They, they A lot of them weren't privileged enough to actually go to an NBA game. They, they're, they're, they're 75% black players in the league, minority players, and they're playing against a largely white audience, especially in Utah. Yeah. And so, especially in Utah. <laughs> especially in Utah. So it's just like, it's just like, one thing that stuck out with me with what, what Corbin said is, I'm white, I can blend in. And I don't have to really say anything. Right. But he was like, I'm wrong because I don't check the behavior. Yeah. Right. So, so how do you feel? Yeah. No, I rock with it. And and like I don't I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to criticize Corver. Mm-hmm. Like, no, I I absolutely love it because um, no matter what what level of oppression mm-hmm. that you suffer from, you should not have to beg for, for people who who do have a platform to to speak out for you and whatnot? Gotcha. So for him to do that without without any provocation, mm-hmm. um, like no, I, I respect it. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but the Utah Jazz, a lot of their players, they've actually been having kind of like these roundtable conversations. Wow. And after he released that video, I went back and watched one of them. And they're and they're, they're talking race relations. They're talking about the fans and and Utah and all that good stuff. So. I think it's great that they're actually having these conversations, and as long as it leads to something, I, I would, I, I would be great. I would feel great about it. Right. But 
I just couldn't help but question myself. Right. Like now that you're out the door, now that you have established yourself as a player, you've seen men of your name in the NBA history books. Like did like did he consciously wait until he felt his name was in extra stone enough before he decided and, to and, speak? And, and that very well may be the case. And I actually don't fault him for that, man, because I'll I'll, I'll try to be objective and try to be in his shoes for a second. It. It may or may not be the easiest thing for a Caucasian man to talk about. Let's let's be very clear about that. We that's something we can't understand as black people. I know that you know. That yeah, no doubt. Talk, you know what I mean. So I don't really fault him for saying, "All right, this is the time now. This is why I feel comfortable with saying this now." I, I'm glad it's out now, and I'm glad the the conversation has at least started. I am still disappointed. There are still people out there that's like, it's a myth and it doesn't exist. Yeah, like, I agree. That, I agree. That now, let me, let me ask you this. You, you said that you don't, you don't follow him in his timing. Right. Because at the end of the day, we all have personal needs. We have to take care of We need, yeah. We got to secure the bag, so right. to speak. Um, so with that being said, how do you feel about Jordan never being vocal throughout his career. And even though we all know that Jordan does a lot of work, right. he still doesn't speak out because with him being a businessman, you know, he has to watch his work. So, like, do you kind of use that, that same narrative for Jordan? See, this ties back into corporate. So, when he first started about 2001, 2002, 2003, around that area, players didn't have the voice they have now. Players weren't empowered like a LeBron James or Bismack Biyombo with right. the schools and things like that. Right. And so he may have felt more empowered to to say something now because we do have the social media. And he may, honestly, he may not have been aware. I mean, let's be honest, like, NBA players are more privileged than us. Like, honest, I, I, honestly speaking, since high school, they, they were the special ones. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so they, they they don't experience a lot of things we experience. So right. he may have not seen that hang around with him. But with social media and, and the fans and the, and, the, and the stands like that, he's like, oh, man, it's really like that for them? Or, wow, did they really go through that? Oh, it's, 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 it's a lot of himself checking himself in the past. Look, I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep this really simple. There are some people who are really just built a different way. And, and here's what I mean by that. I, I actually know someone who works very closely with Michael and from what from what I've been told Michael is a very old school person who loves his privacy for lack of a mm -hmm. better term so he doesn't really put everything he feels out in the open and not only that every everybody is not really equipped to be the quote-unquote vocal woke yeah, person agree, all agree. the time Michael simply may or may not be built like that I don't know him personally. I can only go off of what this close source has told me. With all that being said, there are some people we know who are going to break MJ over the coals at every opportunity they get for not speaking out about quote-unquote uh, that crap. <laughs> quote-unquote black people issues or, or social issues or whatever you want to whatever title you want to put on it. But again, man, just in the same breath as I just said, I don't fault Kyle Culver for for being for coming to a point when he was comfortable saying it. It's the same way I don't fault Michael for not being vocal enough about certain social yeah. issues. I I, I could sign to to close it out for the most part. I appreciate what he did, yeah. and I just I just hope the conversation doesn't end right there. Gotcha. Pretty much. 
All right, we're gonna move to our shout outs. Uh, Jamal, you wanna start us out? I'll start us out, man. Um, I don't really have a shout out per se. I have a challenge. <laughs> there is a very historic landmark on the corner of Highway 16 and Beatysport Road. It's called the Excelsior Club. Um, there have been some legendary people who have, uh, you know, have came through the halls of that uh, building. Nat King Cole, Miles Davis, just and the list goes on. Um, this is, this might be the last historic landmark left on the west side of, of Charlotte. It is in very dire need and it is in serious danger of being demolished. Um, I think the price tag, uh, as it stands now is about $1.5 million. Um, if there is anyone in in Charlotte, North Carolina, who is remotely interested in preserving some kind of history in this heavily gentrified city that is sucking all the soul out of the city and is interested in preserving the one thing we might have left, my challenge to people who have the resources, who have the money to, if if you don't feel like it's a, it's a, 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 a good business move, so to speak, at least raise awareness and to make and, and to make people aware of why this is such an important piece of Charlotte history and why it needs to be preserved. So my challenge to people who are watching, most of us don't have $1.5 million in around. What we can do is raise awareness and get something going and get the ball rolling on preventing that from happening. My shout out, I have two shout outs. Uh, first, Kyle Corver uh, for challenging uh, his white brothers and sisters in the article, uh, talking about uh, wealth inequality and uh, affirmative action, things of that nature. And my second shout out is to the Brooklyn Nets. They did not tank. <laughs> they made the worst trade in NBA history. They fleeced Magic Johnson for. They also were Russell. recipient for for a very dumb trade as well. Uh, yeah, can't discount yeah, that. Yeah, they were. But they made the playoffs and they beat the process yesterday. <laughs> shout out to the Brooklyn Nets. For doing it the right way, effective evaluation, scouting, and everything. Spending money wisely. Spending money wisely. And, and they have room for a max contract this year. Congrats, Brooklyn. Okay. So, my shout out, this is this is this is gonna be a little distorted, but but just just bear with me because I don't know how I'm gonna present what I present to you guys, okay? <laughs> But um, my my shout out is gonna go to somebody that we all know, Mr. Uh, Skill Bayless from um, Undisputed, opposite of uh, Shannon Sharp. So everybody knows what happened with Magic Johnson. Yeah, right. And now, do you guys follow Skill Bayless on Twitter? I do, unfortunately. Yeah. You ever follow somebody because you want to see what dumb thing they're gonna say next? Here's the a crazy thing. I don't even follow Skill Bayless. But there's people on my Twitter who follow, so you know how you click like, you know, such and such click like. So, like, I only see his crap because other people click like on YouTube. <laughs> so, and, and and I don't know how, how much you've seen of Skip's Twitter, but he is always, always, always taking shots at Michael Jordan. Always. So, I don't know if Mike beat him in a game of 21 or took his girlfriend in high school <laughs> or so, but he has something against Michael Jordan. But to get to the point, after Magic Johnson <laughs> skipped out on his 10 o'clock meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not out of here. I'm out of here. 
Skip said that, so so we just saw the greatest point guard ever, Magic Johnson, basically fail and bail as GM. And now the GOAT, Michael Jordan, continues to fail without bailing as owner GM of the Hornets, who missed the playoffs in the East for the seventh time in nine seasons, greater than player versus GM. Now, for those of you that haven't seen the tweet, he mentioned in the East, and he put that in all caps. Like, I don't know why you needed to to accentuate that, but he felt the need to do so. Before I get on my soapbox, I got a question for you guys. Shoot. At what point has Michael Jordan ever been the GM? <laughs> I could have sworn it was Rich Jones. And there was Bernie Bickerstaff, and there was uh, Mitch Kupchak now, and then there was Rod Higgins. Oh and so, fans, if, if, if you can let us know when Jordan ever won a GM hat, please let us know because this is a very opinionated show. I thought we knew basketball. I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I don't I, like spinning out. I thought we, I mean, so, I mean, all NBA owners have some type of input. I mean, yeah. so final approval. But if we, like, I, I don't want to put out false stuff. So if he has been a GM, like, let us know. We'll come for back. Charlotte. We'll, we'll, we don't yeah. care what he did with the Wizards. Yeah, 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 for yeah, Charlotte, yeah. For Charlotte. For Charlotte. Charlotte. Agreed. And you know what? You just gave him a scapegoat. He's going to come back and he's going to be like, I was talking to my wife. No, anyway. no, he wasn't. No, he, wasn't. <laughs> no, he, wasn't. he said the Hornets. Yeah. He did say the Hornets. He said the Hornets, Hornets have missed. But look, here's, here's why I hate that narrative about Jordan failing the Hornets. And, and my, my question I've always, I always want to ask people, why do you always criticize Michael Jordan so much? And I think the reason for that is, because he's Michael Jordan. Yeah. Everybody knows who he is. And if you ask somebody, now Skip can answer this question because he's skilled, but if you ask a casual fan to name three other NBA GMs, they can't do it. They can't do it, they can't do it because they're not the greatest basketball player of all time. Mm -hmm. So here, here's my deal. I'm always, if, if you go and look at the teams who are constantly successful, mm -hmm. who win at a high level, like Jamal stated early in the show, they've been here for a hundred years. They've had time to figure things out. Charlotte, we're the new kids on the block. This current and I don't want to hear anything about the old Charlotte franchise because we both know no, it's, it's different. This is right. a brand. Right. This is a brand new franchise. Right. They have only been here 15. for fifteen years. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna spit out a few stats for you guys. Okay. Now, in the 15 years that we've been here, Jordan took over in 2010. So I'm going to use 2010 as my reference point. Mm -hmm. Since 2000, now he took over in the 2009-2010 in the season, mm -hmm. but I'm going from the 2010 season forward. all forward, okay? The record that we have as a franchise, we're 297 and 425 in those eight or nine years, mm -hmm. Okay. 297 and 425 losses. And that same time span, the Sacramento Kings are 262 and 460. Mm. Why are you not shitting on D-Vox, Skip? Yeah? Why, 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 why did Sacramento not get this? Uh, well, hold on, no, 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 I am on my soapbox. I am on my soapbox, okay? In this same time frame, in this same time frame, the New York Knicks are 295 and 427. 
Why are we not sitting on Phil Jackson? You can answer that question. Why are we not? James why, Dolan. No, why are we not sitting on Phil Jackson? Because it's not trendy enough. No, 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 no. no. You know why we're not sitting why on Phil Jackson? Because he's not there. Because he's not there. We can't sit on Phil Jackson. Okay? Now, also. Y'all, I'm tired Detroit. Detroit. 306. 416. Minnesota. I didn't even write down Minnesota's uh, um, 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 record. There's no need to. Because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Skip said that we've missed the playoff for the seven time, seven time in nine years, right? Which means that we've been twice in two years. Okay. Minnesota has been once since 2004. They've been <laughs> once since 2004. But we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't shit on Minnesota. And the one time they went, the one time that they went to the playoffs, the reason why they're in the playoffs is in Philadelphia playing basketball right now while Minnesota's sitting home. Yeah. We don't talk about Minnesota. Yeah. We don't talk yeah, about it. Okay. That's what I'm talking about, baby. Okay, now let me yeah. move on to, let me take move on to the next iteration. <laughs> now, earlier I said that this iteration of the Hornets have been here since 2004. For 15 years. Let me spit out some more stats, okay? When, when, when we talk about some of the story franchises in the NBA, the Lakers come up. The, the Lakers, depending on what 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 side of the Mississippi you live on, is top one or two story franchises in yeah. the NBA. Okay. How many titles do they have? Like 18, 19 18, titles? 18. They've been here for 71 years. They've had time to figure this out. Now, I went and looked at all of their NBA titles. I'm about to spit out some names right quick, all right? Every one of their NBA titles has at least one of these people attached to it. George Mikey, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Magic Johnson, Kobe Bryant. Every one of their titles has at least one of those players attached to it. Now, give me a name that I didn't even mention. James Worthy. Shaq. James Worthy. They are so great. I did that without even mentioning Shaq and James Worthy. Who in Charlotte has been here that, that, that can lay claim to that? Nobody. Nobody. I digress. Oh, but we could have drafted Brandon Roy. Oh, we could. I'm joking. The Boston Celtics. The Boston Celtics. 1A, 1B story franchise in the NBA. 73 seasons. They've been here two years longer than the Lakers. Same thing. Every one of their titles is attached to Bill Russell, John Havlicek, if I said that right, or Larry Bird. Now, their last one is, I, I, I had to go, I, I had a few names I could have went, but I, I chose to go with Paul Pierce since it recently came out that he's very good the way he did. So I wanted to get, I, I didn't want to disrespect the truth. So, so, so that the one, that, that one title, the only title that they've had since 1986 is attached to to, to the true Paul 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 Pierce, but we're, we're not we're not talking about we're not talking we don't talk about Boston. Yeah, great. Look, they they have six, seven, eight, nine, ten lottery picks on their roster right now, and they're not winning the title this year. Can I give you, can I give you a fun fact about the '80s Lakers and Celtics? Let's go right oh, ahead. Fun fact: You know how the Lakers and Celtics got some of their really marquee players? Let's go because of the Los Angeles Clippers. Because I'm going to tell you why. Okay. You the Los Angeles Clippers basically gave the Los Angeles Lakers James Worthy. The Los Angeles Clippers basically gave um, a God, who was the draft pick to the Celtics. I think Robert Paris was okay. involved in the draft pick that they gave to the Celtics. 
there's always some really terrible franchise that makes uh, uh, teams who are already good better. That was the Clippers in the 80s. But you won't hear Skip Bayless tell you any misinformation as it pertains to the Hornets. Now, there's one more thing that Skip Bayless does. does I'm sorry, Danny Ainge was a pick. Danny was an Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm going to ask Skip one more question. But before I do, I got to ask you guys a question, okay? Do you guys remember the year 2001, whether you love it, I I, I get it. Yeah. But they've been here 80 years. Yeah. So so your first title came in 2001. It took you 60, 70 years to figure it out. Yeah, right. Same thing with those Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> You've been here for 100 years. You got your first Super Bowl two seasons ago. What took you so long? What took you so long? The Hornets have been here for 15 years. Shut Oh, I'm done. I'm done. All right. Uh, well, I know. Well, thank you for watching the uh, the other good, group. Good, John. This is okay. This is on fire. I'm good. Jump out. I'm good. All look, right. Everybody, look yourself in the mirror and say, "Michael Jordan's not the GM." Go say it in the mirror fifty times. <laughs> All right, everybody, have a good week. Have the confidence Paul Pierce does this week. <laughs> have a great week at work. We love construction. We love what? Did I get yeah. to my kids? Who is that? I'm like, what the hell? What? <laughs> what? I, I looked over and I was like,